Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. Welcome to another week. All right. Very excited to be here. Me too. Highlight of our weeks, right? Absolutely, man. Yeah. One of these we're going to get you You're in rolling the rolling your eyes at me. I'm not rolling. I'm just kidding. I'm excited, man. This is a great, great time of week. Monday yep. afternoons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time to talk real personal finance. Every other week is my favorite thing to do. We got a question. Yes. From Stephen. Yes. So I'll read it. Stephen mm-hmm. says, can you provide hypothetical advice on how to handle financial windfall? My wife and I are in our mid-30s with one young child. She is a stay-at-home mom while I work in tech. My salary of approximately 130000 covers all of our annual expenses in addition to 401k contributions up to the amount needed to receive full employer matching. We also started contributing to a 529 plan for our son. Mm. We recently came into possession of $2.3 million in concentrated stock and bonds with unrealized capital gains of around $1.5 million. Are there any no-brainer moves to make given our new financial position? Yeah. Well, right? congratulations on your new financial position pretty significant change yeah and probably some financial planning points i would guess to consider when your financial situation changes that drastically yeah and i did say congratulations but also if needs to be i'm sorry for your loss if you came into possession because you're receiving an inheritance yeah yeah unclear in the details of how those funds came yep we will we'll We'll touch on that uh, what steps would we walk through to make sure that you are using this in the wisest way possible? Because it absolutely has the potential to be a life-changing amount of money when received in mid-30s and you're trying to plan for retirement and college and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, first things first, I would just say put a pause on making any big life changes for like six months, mm-hmm. maybe even a year. Mm-hmm. Just keep living life. Mm-hmm. Pretend like it's not even there. We'll talk about things you should be thinking about with the funds just to make sure there's no no brainers or you're not blowing yourself up. But there's something to be said for when you receive, in this instance, what we can consider it sudden money. There can be some psychological things happening too for when you receive it. So don't go make any rash changes or rush changes right off the bat. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you add anything to that? No, I agree. Like you see, why is it unfortunately that a lot of times this is totally different case, but. Pro athletes, for example, get huge contracts, tons of money. Yep. Life changes significantly. Mm -hmm. Then they're out of the league, whatever that league that might be. And and a few years later, it's starting from scratch. Yeah. Because everything's been blown. Now, and the reason for that is when you get a life changing amount of money, it's very easy to get caught up in that and think about the houses, think about the lifestyle, think about the stuff that can do, think about sometimes friends or family coming to you and asking for support. Yes. So in general, the best thing to do is let the feelings of either nerves or excitement or whatever kind of settle in before you start making any serious decisions with that. Fully agree. Yeah. The question that I would want to know initially is just, I'd want to know the story of where the money came from, Mm -hmm. because that's going to help us understand what you can and can't do with these funds. 
Yeah, and I think typically, we don't know the situation here, but typically when you come into possession of funds like that, it's usually through an inheritance. Mm -hmm. A couple things to note with an inheritance is, Stephen mentioned capital gains here. If it's an inheritance, we don't know if it is or isn't, the capital gains don't matter. They should have stepped up on- They should have stepped up on passing. Yeah, at the time of death. So just so you guys understand at home, like when money passes through an estate- especially in the state of where we're at right now, federally, different states have different rules. So you always have to double check your own current state as well. Mm-hmm. But right now, this year, the exemption for estate taxes is just a little over $12 million a person. So if James passes away, and of course, he's going to leave all of his money to me because yeah. he's very kind like that. If he has got way more than that. under $12 million, let's just say he bought... Tesla stock forever ago and Apple stock forever ago. Maybe you just bought all of the tech companies back when they were worth nothing, Mm -hmm. right? And so they're worth like $12 million now, but your cost basis is like 500 grand. Mm -hmm. Well, when you pass away, I receive it at, let's say $10 million. My cost basis becomes the $10 million that I received. Right. I don't have to worry about the capital gain anymore. So one of the questions I would want to know is where did these funds come from? Because if they weren't gifted ahead of time, but if they were inherited and we were under the exemption amount rules, then we wouldn't necessarily have to worry about the gains. Yeah. He says he has 2.3 million in concentrated stock and unrealized gains at 1.5 million. What that means is the cost basis is 800,000 in this example. Right. The cost basis, if this was an inheritance and you inherited 2.3 million, the cost basis steps up from 800000 to $2.3 million. And the reason we want to know that, of course, is you could start making changes to how you're invested, no tax implications. Real fast. You could just go, yep, I'm, <laughs> I want to go from maybe, and we don't know what, what's held in here, maybe there's three stocks, right? And one bond fund or a couple of bonds, and maybe we want to diversify out of that really quickly. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to worry about paying any taxes on that. We might still want to diversify out of it quickly and pay taxes on that, depending on the situation. The short answer, Stephen, is there are no no no-brainers here. It's all going to come down to what do you and your wife want to be doing now in the shorter term and in the longer term? How do you want to utilize this money to align it with your life? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, maybe this wasn't an inheritance. If it was a gift, you retain that cost basis amount. So if someone gifted it to you as opposed to inheriting it, Oftentimes you'll see financial windfalls like this when you sell a business, but if that was the case, you'd be receiving cash. You wouldn't be receiving stocks and bonds. So it's typically a gift or an inheritance when you're receiving something like this, but we just don't know. So that being said, we would like to know where the funds came from if we were to kind of thoroughly go through this. But after that, let's say we know where they're from. And at the end of the day, there's there's still 2.3 million there. What would you want to think through next? Yeah, well... As we're hitting the pause button, if there's nothing else urgent, I would want Stephen and his wife to spend time focusing on what matters most to them in their own lives. And I think of it as, we've talked about this before on the show, but there are four ways that you can invest in your life. You have your time, your money, your energy, and your talent. And now that we have this potential windfall, it might make it so that money is not as much of a concern anymore. So I would want to know from each of them, What's essential for both of them to live a great life from a time, money, energy, and talent perspective? Mm -hmm. What do they want to be doing when they wake up in the morning? And Mm -hmm. let's see if we can get that fully built out faster with these funds. I'm not saying we stop working. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Maybe we take a sabbatical. Maybe we retrain. But there's a lot of possibility here. 
Yeah. And I'd want to know more about what they truly want before I tell them what to go do with this money. Yep. Yeah, I think we always talk about that where money is a tool, going back to the root purpose of it. And to use that tool most effectively, you need to understand what does your ideal life look like? The time, energy, talent, research, all that stuff. What do you want to be doing? Now, you could do that. Let's say Stephen did this before this windfall came in. And he said, oh, man, I know exactly what I want my life to look like. I want to move to Costa Rica. I want to surf every day. I want to travel to different countries. That's really cool. But in your mid-30s through maxing out or putting some money in a 401k, you're probably not able to do that yet. Mm-hmm. There's some financial constraints. Mm-hmm. Well, then a really significant windfall comes into play. Some of those financial restraints are no longer restraints. Yeah. It becomes a whole lot more important to disregard the finances for a second and really focus on what does that perfect version of your life look like? Mm -hmm. Because you now have the tools to create it even more so than you could have before this windfall came into play. Absolutely. We don't know what Steve and his wife want life to look like, but like just thinking of it back of the napkin really quickly. $130,000 of income, maxing it out for the employer match. I'm just going to assume that's a 5% pre-tax savings, Mm -hmm. right? And then we're going to have some FICA taxes, Social Security and Medicare, and we're going to pay some federal taxes. And I'm going to assume we don't pay any state income taxes. Okay. Well, that means there's probably around $100,000 a year to live life. Yeah. And so a simple thing you could think about right now is with $2.3 million, if nothing's changed, now this stock can go up and down. So it may be a different number for Steven as he's listening to this. Whatever that number is divided by 100,000, right now it's about 23 years of an asset. Mm-hmm. You know, for people who are looking to retire in their 60s, we usually want to see somewhere around 25 years to 30 years of assets. We're already at a place where you have a lot built up. So you could use this for a lot of different things. I could see so many different scenarios. You might want to go take a year sabbatical just to go live life with your young family for a year and go right back to work and no big deal. You might want to go retrain yourself and have your net worth go down a little bit while you shift careers. You might love your career and want to double down on it and go try, but instead of being at a company you're at, go be at a smaller company or a larger company. But now there's all this time and freedom to make the right move. You don't have to feel the pressure of not having enough money in a bank account. Yeah, it's one of those interesting things where you don't have to feel the pressure on the financial side, but it almost creates more pressure on the personal side. of I have to actually think about what I want my life to look like. Uh-huh. I can't just use the excuse anymore. Yes. And I, I yes. fall into this trap. Yes. Like, I think we all do of, oh, it's easy to say, yeah, I could dream about what I want life to look like, but then get back into the, okay, well, I have to work. I have to do this. I have to do so. And so I'm just like, it's easy to disregard that, what you actually want life to look like. And then all of a sudden when the financial constraints are removed, it's like, holy cow, I've got to really think through this because all of a sudden those things are possible. Absolutely. And I need to start thinking about this. Yeah. There's lots of ways to do this. I love George Kinder's three questions. The first question is just, is this question essentially you wake up tomorrow morning, you open up your bank account and there's more money in it to take care of your needs now and in the future. How would you live your life? Mm -hmm. What would you do, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The second question, Stephen, you go to the doctor and sadly they tell you you have two, anywhere from five to 10 years left to live. You'll have no notice of the final day, but you also never feel sick along the way. And you have the time, money, energy, and talent that you and your wife possess right now. How would you live your life? What would you change? And then the final question, you go to the doctor, and sadly, this time, they just tell you the time is up. So that money, you're not going to use it. But really, let it hit you and sit with you that time is up. You don't get to be there tomorrow. What did you miss? Who'd you not get to be? What'd you not get to do? 
What are, what's the untapped potential in your life that you really want to step into? Because if we understand that of you and your spouse, and the two of you understand that of each other, this is just becomes, the decisions become relatively easy for how to optimize this balance sheet for the two of you to live the life that you want to live. Mm-hmm. But it's not really about the money. It's about you. Yeah. And that's the hard part is getting that part. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm saying it's a lot of pressure. No one gets it perfectly right up front. It's a process of start thinking that way because most people haven't thought that way. They've thought through, what am I supposed to be doing to prepare for some time 20 years from now, yeah. 30 years from now? And it just brings more into perspective as you start to think about what's possible. But that's the other thing. There's no perfect answer. There's no no-brainer move here. It really is about understanding what do you want and trying it. And you don't have to dive all the way into trying it if it's something that terrifies you or scares you or it's so new and novel to you. What's the next little thing you can do to test it? Mm-hmm. You know, people will have clients who, I don't want to stay where I am now. I definitely want to move somewhere. Where do you want to move? I don't know. So then in the next year, we need to build in travel budget for them to be traveling to different parts of the country to go try living in other areas to mm-hmm. see what they like. Mm-hmm. They don't have to go buy a house and move tomorrow. They just need to go figure out where might I want to go and get an Airbnb for a week in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then I would say the important thing about doing that is financial things that may become no-brainers will come from that. That's exactly the point, right? It's like you need the lens of what is an amazing essential life look like to you, a fulfilled life. What is that? And once we know that, the decisions become relatively easy financially Mm -hmm. because then we're solving for the life you want. We're Mm -hmm. not solving for the textbook answer Mm -hmm. where we put the ladder up against the wrong wall and have you climb. And every time you climb, you're one rung further away from the life you really want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not going to serve you. No. And I think, you know, for example, Stephen, let's say that, you know, you do want to take time off work and you want to take an indefinite sabbatical. You want to travel the world with your family just making stuff up you want to do stuff now you want to start living on some of that now well that means you'd probably need to position that 2.3 million in a very different way than if you said no i love work work fulfills me this is what i want to do i don't need to touch any of these funds for probably 10 plus years based upon the answer to your question scott of what do you want life to look like it's going to lead to different suggestions with what do you do with these funds that you have 100 percent, right because like To your point, like you want to take a, let's pretend a two-year sabbatical. Okay, great. Well, the moment you go do that and you're not making any income, now you can do what's called tax gain harvesting, where we can actually go sell stocks and pay no taxes because of the tax code. That's cool. Or you decide, I love my job. I don't want to move out of it at all. And it's totally reasonable to keep the stocks and bonds as they exist. And they're broad-based enough that you can get a market rate of return. And no one knows what the market's going to deliver in the future, but let's just say it delivers some you know, it doubles every 10 years. That's 7.2% a year, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the rule 72. Well, then 10 years from now, you have 4.6 million instead of 2.3 million. Yep. There's no right answer here. It's about figuring out what you want. Yeah. And then he did mention that the stocks are concentrated stocks. So yeah, there's maybe some planning around that. If this is, yes. if this is all in two stocks, <laughs> yes. yeah. You know, when we say don't make any big changes right away, don't make any big spending changes. Don't Life go changes. buy a huge house. Don't Correct. go do... Like maybe reposition this to ensure it's still there for you once you know what you do want to do with life. Yep. And we have a lot of episodes on how to invest, not specific recommendations, of course, but what do you think through between the mix of stocks and bonds and different types of stocks and bonds and how to diversify things like that. 
Yeah. And depending on the types of stocks and the type of funds, I mean, you can go take concentrated positions and put it with other people's concentrated positions where you're basically creating a fund of stocks to help diversify you while you're looking to unroll it over time. You can utilize options to help protect yourself, which is basically just a form of ensuring your value as it stands. There's lots of things you can do, but it's just a matter of finding out the right solution for you. Yeah, exactly. Other than that, I don't think there's enough information to start doing anything too specific in terms of what to look at you know you're you're funding the 529 plan for your son do you think about front loading that putting enough in pros and cons to that do you think about changing your 401k contributions and that's going to come from the conversation what do you want life to look like Mm -hmm. so i think that that is the most important piece which i think some people say well that's frustrating i want to know what to do financially yeah we need to know what you want life to look like And then that's going to give you easy answers to what you should do financially. But until then, it's going to be a little bit more vague. Yeah, no, because it'll solve for your balance sheet. Like your balance sheet might have gone from, it might have been heavily weighted toward not um, qualified retirement accounts in the 401k. And we don't know if you own a home and have a mortgage or no mortgage and how much cash you already had in the bank accounts outside of this concentrated positions. So all of those things will tie into how much do you have in liquidity and how much do you have in qualified and how much do you have in real estate and what do you want to do next? That's going to help understand how should you rearrange things and allocate them. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else you'd provide or no, add to this? I think hopefully that's a good framework to start with. Yeah. Take it from there. Take it from there. Awesome. Steven, thanks for your question. And everyone else, if you're listening and have a question, submit it. Absolutely. Answer it. I know we cannot get to every question, but we absolutely look at every question. And Scott and I kind of organize this, what makes most sense in context of what we've talked about, what would be new, what would be a kind of fresh take on things. But we appreciate everyone who does submit those questions very much. Yes. Thank you very much. Until next time. See you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.